Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. I'm Virginia Collin, welcoming you to Family Matters, where today I will be talking with Simone Spence. Simone is an expert on collecting child support. Um, She's been helping people to do that for 15 or 20 years to the tune of over $15 million and uh, is the creator of DontGetMadGetPaid.com. So you'll be learning more about Simone as we go along. Welcome to the show, Simone. Thank you for having me, Virginia. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm curious to find out what I will learn because you and I don't know each other. It's possible that we have different experiences and different opinions, and we'll find out. Okay, uh, let's welcome Give me a little background. How did you happen to get started on the issue of collecting child support? Well, you know, Virginia, that's a great question, and it's a really good and fun story because it's one of those classic... You got lemon dealt to you, and you figured out a way to make lemonade kind of thing. Over 20 years ago, um, I got a really bum child support order following my divorce. And um, I didn't have a whole lot of money, so we kind of did our divorce and uh, everything ourselves and depended on the court to actually lay out the child support order for us based on what our respective incomes happened to be, and I received this really bad child support order because I really was not asked or given the opportunity to really give any information to the court about why I felt that the information that my ex was giving to the court was not accurate. So, of course, when you're going through this process, you probably know that they'll ask you what your income is, and you're supposed to be honest enough to provide it, and you even have to fill out paperwork to state what your income happens to be. Well, I was honest, and he was not, but I was never given the opportunity to actually explain all of this and to be given a reason as to why my child support order was so low. To make matters even worse, Once he had paid this really low child support order for just a couple of months, he decided that he just was going to stop paying. And so then I fell fell into the court system where they employed all of these uh, enforcement techniques that most people would be familiar with if you've ever experienced child support collection in the courts. And what I'm talking about is they did the whole contempt of court thing and, you know, you drag him into court and he pays a percentage of purge and they let him go and they would drag him in to ask him if there are any updates on his income and, of course, he'd say no, but they would never do any due diligence to actually find out anything deeper than what he told them. They never requested copies of paperwork or anything. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, there's just so, something so wrong with this process. I knew intuitively somehow that I was being given the shaft on many different levels but had no idea how to fight for myself. Well, to make a very, very long story short, I was introduced to the law library by an attorney friend of mine. And I'm a journalist 
um, by trade. I was working as a journalist at the time that all of this was happening. So research is kind of like my middle name. And so he introduced me to the law library, showed me around a bit, and set me free. And that was the beginning of something really wonderful because within a few months' time, I actually figured out all of the things that were just going wrong in my gut when my gut was telling me, okay, this probably should have happened, but it didn't, but I don't know how to help myself. All of a sudden, I had all of the answers to everything that I needed to know. And I started my own personal campaign. Not only was I then able to collect all of the back child support that he then owed me at that time, because remember, he had stopped paying, but I was also able to figure out how to go back into court, how to represent myself and get my child support actually increased to the place where it would have been appropriate and fair for what our incomes happen to be. So that was a great story. I was successful within my own right, but then when I started to tell my other single mom friends about my experience, all of a sudden the floodgates opened. And I started hearing from my friends and their friends and their family members with very similar experiences, and everyone was calling saying, hey, can you help me? Can you give me some information? What do you think I should do? And that, truly, Virginia, is the beginning of the story because I started helping everyone from my house. From that point, I started doing speaking engagements in my local area. Organizations would hire me and literally fill a room with at least a hundred women um, asking me questions. From that point, I started to uh, write books. Um, I just released my third one uh, last year, and the business really started on its own because when mom started reading my how-to books of how they could actually do this for themselves, they then would call and say, hey, well, what else can you offer? Can you do consulting? Can you do this? Can you do that? And... You know, helping moms with their child support cases was never anything, of course, that I set out to do on my own. I mean, who grows up and says, you know, I want to help moms with their child support cases when they're getting sick. So it was never anything that I set out to do, but it was something that came to me, and I picked up the torch, and I've been running with it ever since. That's a great story. Um, how hard was that? to represent yourself in court and file, I guess you would have to file a motion to ask the court to reconsider the question, reevaluate how much child support would be appropriate. Do you think that that's something Um, that almost anybody can do or is that something that most people would need help from an attorney? Well, see, and that's the beautiful thing because what I have done with the methodology that I have created, I have taken some very complex information, a whole bunch of legal ease mumbo-jumbo that a lot of folks just can't understand it. evades them. I mean, a lot of, most people don't speak legalese. Most people don't speak the legal language. I have taken this complex information and I have broken it down into common language and I've placed it in a formula, which is a step-by-step formula and it's written on um, a comprehension level that most people in this country can understand. What most people don't know is that, um, you know, the big newspapers like the Post and the Times and all of those, 
those are written on an, an actual eighth grade comprehension level so that they can try to reach the most the most people that they can across the country. And it's the same type of concept that I, that I have done. I have used common language so that anybody at any stage in the game can tap into the information that I can provide, the step-by-step how-to, and actually do this themselves. I have gone through um, painstaking measures to make sure that I have crumbled out the process in cookie-crumb step-by-step formula so that you don't miss anything. So if there's a procedure, a process that you have to go through, a particular motion that you have to file, the first thing that we do... We make you understand what the motion is about. What is it about? How will it affect you? Why it is that you need to complete it? What it, what it connects to? From that point, we provide the form to you. From that point, we actually tell you step-by-step step what it means to you, how to fill it out, how to file it. I mean, it is broken down with, with no step missing in action so that any mom can, can feel comfortable that they can actually do this themselves. Now, do you? So, it's. I'm guessing that the instructions vary from state to state. What you have to do in Virginia is different from what you have to do in Alaska. Is that correct? Actually, no. Now, my company, uh, just to make sure that we're really clear, my company specializes in collections. If we were talking about um, helping moms with increasing their support. You're absolutely right. All of those are very state-by-state measures. In terms of collections, which is what my company does, we specialize in helping moms with back, with collecting their back child support. And so the answer to that is no, and I'm going to explain to you why. Because what we do is we approach the collections from the standpoint of a judgment creditor, as opposed to uh, approaching it from the family law perspective. If you're approaching it from the family law perspective, you're going to look at it according to the laws in the state and apply those particular laws and what they like to do in that state as opposed to what another state might like to do to collect um, back uh, child support. But what most people don't realize is that across the board, in every state in the country, every single state, as long as you have a judgment against the person who owes you the money, you can apply every single mom out there, just like Macy's or Ford Motor Company or your, or your mortgage company, anybody that you might owe money to who gets a judgment against you. If you get a judgment against that absent parent, you can apply the same laws of a judgment creditor to that back child support. So you can take on your own child support case. You can apply judgment creditor laws, which do not vary across the states at all. What you might have is you might have some varying language. For example, in one state, it might say you have to file a, uh, a judgment lien, and in the next state, the, the language might not be judgment lien. They might say reduced to a judgment. So we handle all of those t- tiny little differences in language, um, in our step-by-step paperwork, but in terms of the actual functionality of the laws, they are the absolute same across the country. It's an interesting point that you're approaching this as a creditor. Somebody owes you money, and it's just a matter of getting them to pay what they owe. It's not a matter of family law. Correct. Um, so... um. 
I'm going to ask a question about um, sort of a hypothetical composite situation because um, I don't want to be breaking confidentiality of anybody who has spoken to me in my role as a family mediator or of anybody who just happens to be one of my friends. Of um, but let's let's say this is a situation. Um, a mom has been in abusive marriage. Uh, she tried to make it work because she believed in marriage and wanted to keep her family together. Ultimately, she couldn't. The process of getting divorced was horribly, horribly, horribly abusive. Um, everything to do with the court just felt like a complete nightmare. And ultimately, her husband was ordered to pay child support, but you know he managed to lose his job and stop paying. And it would have been a pain to find him and track him down and then to do something to make him pay what he had already been ordered to pay would have been re-entering the legal system where what she had experienced felt like abuse. Mm-hmm. Any advice for her? Well, you know, I have to tell you that um, strangely enough, Many, many of the cases that I deal with with moms um, have some element of abuse to them. And it doesn't have to be um, physical abuse. Sometimes it is. But it doesn't have to be physical abuse. So you don't have to be slapped around to be in an abusive situation. Um, It could be mental abuse. It could be verbal abuse. Or um, it could be sexual abuse. Um, there are financial abuse. I mean, there's a lot of different types of uh, abuses. And what I find often, and by no means have I done any kind of um, research um, study on this. This is just based on my 20-plus years of experience that I'm regurgitating back to you in a thought. But what I have found is that a lot of these exes have some sort of narcissism in some way because when you get to the point when you're already divorced and you have so much anger or bitterness towards that other person which prevents you from actually supporting your children, there's, there's, there's a problem there. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about. So a lot of this sometimes is moms who just need to get to that point in their lives, in their situation, where they say, enough is enough already. You know, what I frequently say to moms, and I have said over the years, is um, how mad are you, and when are you just not going to take it anymore? So it's a, it's a personal process for all of us, and if you are not there emotionally or mentally for whatever reason, it's just going to be taxing on you. But you have to get yourself to that place where you say, I'm ready to take this on. But as soon as you say that you're ready to take this on, I promise that there is a process in place. There is a system in place that can help you. And there are ways to buffer that abuse. There are ways to just deal with the paperwork without having to deal with the person. And when you're going through the divorce, it's nearly impossible to cut the person out of it unless you already have some sort of protective order against him or her. It's nearly impossible to completely cut that person out. But once you're past that process and you're really just dealing with a judgment in your hand, it is 
absolutely possible to just deal with the paperwork aspect. You don't ever have to have any kind of dealings with this person at all. So the only advice that I would give to this mom that you're referring to, this um, this composite of a mom that you're referring to, <laughs> is she just has to get to that place in her psyche where she says to herself, okay, you know what, I'm owed fifty, seventy-five, $102,000, and this money is, is, is owed to my children, this money is owed to me, I'm not going to allow them to continue to suffer, I'm not going to allow myself to continue to suffer and not plan for my own retirement or continue to raise my IRAs or sell the china out of my cabinet, whatever she's been experiencing, because that happens frequently, but she's got to get to that place in her life when she's ready to take it on, and when she is, there is a system in place for her. But that, you know, Virginia, that's a very, very personal uh, process that every woman has to go through. But it sounds like the really reassuring piece in that is that it could be just a matter of filing the appropriate paperwork and you never have to deal directly with this person who has abused you. Absolutely. And because I have had many instances of helping moms through that process. As I said, I'm just regurgitating my experience over the 20-plus years. They're, I'm prepared for that, and we've also built that into our process. And so there are ways that we have learned to move your paperwork through the court without ever having even encountered, encountering that person in court because sometimes you have to file um, certain um, paperwork which would bring you face-to-face to that person in court. If there is a track record of any kind of, and I repeat, any underscore asterisk, any type of abuse at all, there are ways to get through the court process without ever having to lay eyes on that person again. It would absolutely just be a matter of paperwork. And how likely is it that this imaginary composite mom would experience the paperwork process and the filing and going back to court and filing something else that would experience that as an abusive system? Well, thankfully, the process that we have laid out, um, it's, it's not very common that you would have to find yourself um, actually in a courtroom with that person, like I said, it does happen. There are times that it happens, but more often than not, this is stuff that actually can happen when you show up in court yourself to the clerk's office and file the appropriate paperwork, and it's just you. And you have to serve your adversary, but you do that either by mail or you hire a process server or you get anyone over the age of 18 who's not affiliated or connected to the case to help you out. So there are a lot of ways to um, to make it through. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, some of the things that we will talk about include differentiating between people who are just being deadbeats and people who are actually broke and they can't make the payments and what to do about that situation. Uh, and maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll get to talking about how Custody and visitation schedules are in many states tied into child support, and that can get complicated and ugly. But for now, we'll be taking a break, and we will be back very soon. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Family members too often find themselves in court arguing about separation, parenting schedules, financial issues, divorce, estates, or care of an elderly relative. There's a better way to solve a family problem. Work with a professional mediator in private, confidential meetings. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice america. listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. On Family Matters today, I'm talking with Simone Spence, who is an expert in assisting parents to collect child support that is due from their children's other parent. Um, I'm Virginia Collin, your host. And Simone, I'd like to ask you, oh, I probably should mention Simone's really an expert. I mean, she's been collecting for 15 or 20 years. She's been featured in the Huff- Huffington Post, Heart and Soul, Essence Magazine, Divorce Magazine. Um, you know, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> so your most recent book is Deadbeat versus Dead Broke. Tell me about that. Well, Virginia... You know, what I have noticed over the um, the years that I have been enmeshed in this uh, work is that the times are changing a whole lot. And there's a lot of conversation these days that didn't exist maybe two decades ago about dads saying that they have an inability to pay and then what happens with them. Does the state excuse money? Should moms excuse money? Should, you know, how, how deep do we go when we're trying to collect from fathers who either 
they simply say that they are dead broke or appear to be dead broke, have no visible means of support. And then what happens with the kids who are left in the lurch? So some of my work has been focused on helping to determine, well, what are we actually looking at here? Are we looking at um, one end of the spectrum where there is an indifference and an irresponsibility, or are we looking at the other end of the spectrum when there are truly dads who have an inability to provide financial support due to whatever their personal circumstances are? And sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other. Sometimes you actually have a little mix of the two, but they need to be looked at in vastly different ways. But the most important thing that I think that I try to bring across is that you need to really find out what the true heart of the matter is. Are we really talking about someone who's trying to hide assets and evade it? Are we talking about someone where you truly cannot get blood from a stone? And then what does that mean for the children that are in the mix? So deadbeat versus dead broke uh, explores a lot of that. It also explores something that I have... Um, coined kitchen table conversations because what I have heard a lot over the years and not that it has any legal standing at all, but what I've heard a lot over the years are dads complaining that the mom doesn't need as much money as she's asking for. She's living high off of the house. She's getting her nails done and her hair done or she's spending the money in ways that really doesn't need to be spent and is not going towards the child. And so we hear that from the dad. And then on the other end, we hear from the mom. He's not paying. He's not paying enough. And what Kitchen Table Conversations is designed to do is to actually just cut to the chase and get the two people sitting down at a table, the proverbial kitchen table, and actually doing a line item budget and figuring out, well, what's needed for the care and support of the child. Now, let me just um, qualify that by saying in these instances that you have been talking about in the first segment of the show when we explored abuse, in no way, shape, or form are people who are abusive, who have shown abusive patterns in the past, are they ever able to come to the table for any kind of kitchen table conversation because you have to have a certain level of maturity and respect and you cannot bring that to the table if you are an abusive person. So by no means is this something that's doable for every single parent out there. But if you're dealing with two parents who are just not seeing eye-to-eye on expenses and they're headbutting and it seems like uh, some transparency might be a good thing that could help both of them see what the other person is experiencing by all means. Come to the kitchen table, let's do a line-by-line item, you know, budget, and figure out what the needs are for this child and for the respective two parents and see if you can come to a meeting of the mind. There is another radio uh, uh, talk show host, or actually he used to have just a, he's just just a host of a music program, actually, by the name of Michael Basin, and I will never forget when I heard him say, because he has a child um, with his ex, and I remember some years back he said that if he knew 
um, early on the expenses that his ex was incurring for his daughter, he would have been paying more money from the get-go. But he always, he always assumed that the money was going to places where it had no business going, and he always gave her a hard time. So the one day when she calls him up and says, hey, come on over to my house. I want to talk to you about our daughter and our daughter's expenses. And so once he saw those expenses for himself face-to-face, he couldn't deny what they were anymore, and then he actually began to pay her even more than what she asked for because he said, I saw for myself that this money is going for my daughter. It's for my daughter's needs, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping up to the plate. So the book addresses, or at least I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm fair in addressing as many points on both sides of the token as I possibly can for a book that's very hardcore when we talk about collecting back child support and what that looks like for the person who's owed the money. So make no mistake, deadbeat versus dead broke. And my website, by the way, which accompanies the book, which is don'tgetmadgetpaid.com, is very child support enforcement focused. So absolutely, we feel that if the money's owed, if you owe it, you pay it. So the book is very focused on payment. But the side issues are, okay, well, what are the problems that, uh, what are the things that are causing the problems, and is there anything that we can do to address this so that it doesn't escalate. And if we can, let's figure out how to make it happen. Um, I have to ask this. I'm a missionary for family mediation, so I have to ask this. Does your book uh, mention to people that if having these kitchen table conversations about the real expenses of the child and how to handle them is too difficult to do on your own, one thing you can do is work with a family mediator to help you have that conversation. <laughs> um, I actually do not address that in the book, but I will say that I am a big fan of mediation for this very same reason. But, the, but what this goes back to is exactly what I said a moment ago, and you might have you know, a different perspective on this, but... Um, being a mediator and being a missionary for mediators, but I really don't think in my experience that if you're coming from a place of abuse, that an abusive person is ever going to come to the table fair and square and um, really address this from a higher level. I mean, you might have much better um, experiences than I do and much better um um, experience in general and can speak to that better than I can. But no, in my book, I do not address uh, mediation because my whole process is about what you can do to help yourself in a complete self-help um, area because a lot of moms, just like they cannot afford attorneys, they can't afford mediators. And if you can't afford an attorney and if you can't afford a mediator, what do you do? So that's where my piece steps in. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, okay. Mediators often are less expensive than attorneys. And in my state, I, I'm in Virginia, so I'll talk about in Virginia. Uh, if, um, you know, y- even if you're at the beginning of the process, you were never married to the other parent, but you have a child, 
you can pay $25 filing fee and go down to the juvenile and domestic court and just ask the court to look into the matter and, and make a ruling about child support. And some of the courts, if you're in tight financial circumstances, will provide you mediation services for free. Um, so that's that's at the beginning stage. That's not at the collection stage. At the okay. collection stage, I agree with you. If a person has a history of being abusive, they're not likely to be honest and forthcoming. You're not going to have a kitchen table conversation with that person. Exactly. You might right. be able to make progress having the matter mediated after you've gotten an attorney involved to do the research to find out how much money that other parent truly has access to, whatever, you know, find out what's really going on with their income Mm -hmm. uh, that they're maybe denying. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, mediators are here to help people have tough conversations. If you can do it on your own, do it on your own. Um, But some things, some people are just hard to talk to, even though right. you both need, you, you know, both know that you do need to talk about this. So that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. I agree. Some people will just um, seemingly unable to just come to the table um, being honest. They're dishonest with everyone else and they're, they're dishonest with themselves. So it's hard, to, it's so hard to mediate something like that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes mediation is hard. Sometimes it works, not 100% of the time, but sometimes. Um, but so let's, people, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. Let's do stories. Do you have a story of somebody you worked with who, you know, had a particularly interesting situation that you'd like to describe? Yeah, I actually have two stories to share. And um, I, I like to talk about these two because they come from opposite ends of the spectrum because I like for moms to understand that no matter where they are in the process and regardless of their own socioeconomic um, standing, this can happen to someone just like you. Um, the first one is a mom that I worked with about oh, maybe over 20 years ago at this point. And she was a mom who was uh, on social services, and she had uh, she was a young mom, and she had eight children with five different dads. And she's on services, and she is not receiving child support for any of these five children. So five now, children or had, eight children? I'm sorry, so the eight children. Eight she's children, with five, the five dads. dads. Yes, okay. she wasn't getting any of the any child support for these eight kids with these five men is what I intended to say. And all these and people didn't know anything about birth control. <laughs> that's, a, that's an entirely that's different, a different question. All right, we'll, <laughs> that's an we'll entirely stick with the different child support question. Quite interesting, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, child support, support question. Okay, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? I'm, I was interrupting. Okay, so we're back to oh, child no, okay. support. Back to the so question she wasn't of getting support for any of these kids. And um, she had been on, on support for, for many years. Now, you may or may not know that in most states, when you are receiving social services, even if you have a dad who's paying something, a very low amount, let's say he couldn't pay the entire 
let's call it $300 a month, which is still very low. But let's say he was owed, owed, he needed to pay $300 a month, and he was only able to pay, let's say, $50 a month. The first $50 would have gone to the family, and then he would have just owed the rest. Anything over that social services would have taken back for, you know, his, his children having the benefit of being on services. So this woman literally was not receiving one flat dime from any of these fathers. She was getting zero. So she happened to wind up as a participant in a workshop that I was hired to do by uh, a workforce development agency. And she was required to attend this session that I was facilitating. And she came to me after the class, and she said, you know, I don't think that you can do anything for me, but this is my situation. And she told me what her situation was. And I said, you know what, I'm going to take you on pro bono. Well, the shocking or maybe not so shocking anymore thing that happened was that we were able to actually help her to find four of the fathers that were missing in action, because she needed to know where any of these dads were. Four of the fathers, three of them actually had jobs with the city. Meanwhile, the city was turning around and saying, we have no idea where these guys are. Three of them actually had jobs with the city. Wow. <laughs> One of them um, was deceased, so we, you know, there was nothing that we can do there, and the other one had a job in the private sector. But four of these dads were working and making some pretty decent money. When we got through with her case, she was actually collecting over $2,500 a month from these dads that we were able to find because they all had jobs. And so what that did for her was she was able to exit the system because she was no longer even entitled to welfare benefits. She was able to exit the system. She kept her food stamps, but she had money to pay her own rent. She had money to buy her, you know, um, buy all of her other personal expenses and take care of her children. And I'll never forget the day that she came to me and she said, you know, when I leave my house every single morning now, people look at me and they say, oh, there goes a working woman. So this completely transformed this woman's life and how she felt about herself. And one of the things I neglected to mention is that she was also a generational welfare recipient. So she was on welfare, her mom was on welfare, her grandmother was on welfare before her. This process actually broke the cycle for her family. So that is huge and it's powerful. On the other end of the spectrum... I'm going to have to interrupt you because it's almost time to take another break. That is a really inspiring story. Um, I I mean, I love it that, you know, you find the dads and they, they start supporting their kids and then the mom is able to go out and join the workforce and everybody's better off. Exactly. Um, that's a great story. We're going to have to get the next story after the break. I can't wait. Okay. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Sadly, that's wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, or co-parenting, there is a better way. Family mediation. Save time, save money, and make good plans for your children. Visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radioshow at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, on Family Matters, talking today with Simone Spence, who is the owner of what may be the only do-it-yourself child support collection company in the United States of America. We had, before the break, uh, an inspiring story of a mom who was able to break an intergenerational cycle of being on welfare because Simone was able to help her collect child support for some of her children, and that enabled her to change her life, really. Now Simone has another story for us, a different kind of story. Yes, thank you, Virginia. So the other story brings us to the other side of the spectrum, and this was a mom who was actually um, an upper-middle-class mom, and uh, she had three daughters with her husband, and they lived a very good life until the day when he decided that he didn't want to be a part of that life anymore, and he just, without warning, um, so the story goes, just up and left one day, and decided that he was not going to come home. This particular woman was a homemaker her entire life. They got married fairly young, so she had never had an opportunity to build a career for herself prior to the marriage. She had never gone to college, so she didn't have a degree to fall back on. She was 
a happy, happy homemaker. And then her husband left. So now she's stuck in this big house with her three children and literally no means of support because he emptied out the bank account. No means Uh. of support, no means to feed her children. So what she began to do, which is something that I have seen happen time and time again across the years, is she began to sell items out of the house in order to pay the bills just one more day. She sold the china out of the cabinet. She sold her jewelry. She sold, she sold this and that and the other thing. And the day that she finally called me, she was in tears, and this was our introduction. She called me, and in tears she told me that her daughter, I believe her daughter was maybe 12 at the time, she told me that her daughter was about to have a sleepover. And she's not sure what she's going to do because she had promised her daughter that she could have these other girls over to sleep over and she just had to sell the rug off of the floor in the family room so that she can support her bills for one more month. And this was the last thing in the house that she had to go. But she had no more money. She had nothing else to sell. She had nowhere else to turn. And she said, you know, I've had your number. Somebody gave me your number, and I've been sitting on it. And, you know, she was in tears saying, I don't know what I'm going to tell my daughter. They have no place to sleep tonight. What am I going to do? Well, to make her very long story short, when we got involved, um, we found out where he had uh, moved and what business he was running at the time because he opened up a company um, in someone else's name, but he was running it. So it's just one of those things that sometimes um, those who are trying to evade support do. It's one of the games that they play. And eventually we were able to get her some federal charges filed against this particular um, dad because he had gotten up to X amount of dollars for X period of time and he had crossed state lines and he had done everything according to the book which would put him in the category of possibly having federal child support evasion charges filed against him. And so that was the route that we went with her. The charges went through. This guy was finally arrested. He actually did some time as a result of this, which is, which does not actually frequently happen. Usually they get off on very many loopholes. But with this guy, he actually served some time and got out owing her $195,000. We stuck with the case, and eventually this was not a case where we were able to collect all $195,000 in one swoop, which we've done things like that before with other cases, but we were able to just chop it off piece by piece. So the first time that we found an account that he was sitting on, we were able to chop off $20,000. The next one that we found um, an account that he that we were sitting on, that he was sitting on, we were able to chop off another And it took about five or six years, actually, but this woman actually got paid. Somewhere around maybe the the fourth or the fifth um, time when we found assets, uh, she said, you know what, I think I know the process now. I can actually do this myself. And we said, okay, fine, you're good to go. And we didn't hear from her for a while. I'm going to say maybe about a year went by, maybe a little bit more. And then out of the blue, we got a phone call from her saying, hey, guess what? I'm paid off. I finally got all of the money. 
So that was another case that for me personally just really, um, it just really, really rings the bell. It really rings the bell to just really make it clear that, you know, there are a lot of different types of people who are affected by child support evasion. There are some people who believe that, mistakenly believe that it's a socioeconomic issue. So when they, when I tell the first story, they shake their head and they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But when I tell the second story, they say to themselves, or they say out loud, really, $195,000? Really? That was possible? How did that happen? And actually, it's more often than not that we're dealing with those types of cases than we're dealing with the first type of case. So there are a lot of moms out there who are owed a whole lot of money over a whole lot of years. And these are the types of things that they experience. They lose their homes. They lose their life savings. They drain their accounts and their IRAs. They have nothing left to retire on. I mean, these are very real uh, problems that a lot of women um, face as a result of child support evasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the ones about um, having money for the kids to go to college, that's been a big one that I've seen with the single moms I know. They manage mm-hmm. to find a way to provide food and shelter and clothing and, and even maybe the fees for a soccer team while the kids were minors, but there was nothing left to help them with college if, if exactly. the dad had not been paying child support. And I have to interrupt myself here because our conversation has been very one-sided and I know that there are also single dads who are Mm -hmm. supporting their kids and there are moms who are, they've gone off somewhere else and they're just not taking care of their kids. So you Mm -hmm. help the dads too? Well, you know, I'm really glad that you brought that up, and that's a very good question, and I like to address that at every opportunity that I get, so I thank you for that. And the answer to that is absolutely. So this is the thing, Virginia. The thing is, is that over 85% of all single parents who are in the situations that we've been talking about for the past hour happen to be women. The balance, the 14%, are made up of dads and grandparents and other family members probably that have stepped into the plate, aunts, uncles, siblings, cousins, other people who have chosen to take custody of children because the parents just were not able to. And so this is the reason that I have chosen to focus the energies Um, on moms is because resoundingly what we find is that it's the women who are placed into these situations. Now, that being said, by no means at all am I saying that there are no deadbeat moms out there. Of course there are. And I hear about them all the time. Believe me, the dads make sure that I do. Well, let me tell you about my wife. (laughs) But the thing about it is, is that we do focus the energies on the women because it's usually the women who end up in these situations. I mean, let's face it. The majority of the time when a relationship ends, it's the woman who's in, who ends up holding the baby. And therein lies the reason why I focus on women. However, if you're a dad, 
and you're dealing with a deadbeat mom, we absolutely encourage you, invite you um, to, to avail yourself of absolutely every resource and opportunity that we have to offer any mom out there. Any mom that can get any service that we offer is it's, it's open to every dad that's out there. So by no means are we saying dads are not invited to participate in this program. Dads cannot avail themselves of this service. Absolutely not, because the bottom line is, is that we're looking out for the best interests of the children. And if you are... Uh, if you have custody of a child, I don't care if you're mom or dad, I don't care if you're grandma, you could be grandma or granddad, and you're dealing with a deadbeat mom and a deadbeat dad. Yes, we want to hear from you as well. We want to help you too. It's not about trying to leave anyone out of the mix. It's just making sure that women who are in this situation, who largely have little voice, when it comes to collecting their back support across the country, they have very little voice because they're harried and they're busy and, you know, um, usually they don't have the opportunity to advocate for themselves. They need a pathway laid out for them. So, you know, we have created a pathway for those who are hurt the, uh, the most often, but by mm-hmm. every means we want dads to avail themselves of what we can offer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to mention that I there are definitely people I know and respect who think that part of the problem lies in that 86% statistic, that it shouldn't have to be always the mom who gets stuck with the responsibilities whether or not she's got the money. I know a lot of guys who think that dads don't get a fair shake in court when uh, the questions of, of where, who's going to raise the kids are being decided. So I just want to acknowledge that, that there is, you know, it's, it's a complicated set of questions. And today we're talking mostly about collecting child support when it's clear who the child lives with and it's clear what amount of child support is appropriate. Um, I just want to acknowledge the complexity of all the other questions that are connected. And I appreciate that because I hear all of that myself. I absolutely understand what you're saying. I absolutely understand what the dads are saying. And, you know, maybe you might want to have me on another day and we can actually tackle that issue because there's a lot to say on that issue itself. But I hear what you're saying. I hear what the dads are saying. And, again, it's, you know, this is, this is you know, a prime example of, of when kitchen table conversations could possibly be handy um, for those who are able to come to the table and actually have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, can I wonder if we should say anything about the fact that for some dads and moms who are not paying child support they've been ordered to pay, it truly is because it's hard for them. They've lost their jobs through no fault of their own, or they've become ill and, you know, have to just dedicate all their time and energy and money to becoming well again. Um, You know, there are times when there's somebody really can't pay. And Mm -hmm. so we we don't want to make everybody who can't pay for a while feel bad. No, of course (laughs) not. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not terrible people, Virginia. <laughs> no. No. All but right. again, we have to be real clear about what that looks like because there are a lot of people who like to take that and use it, um, you know, to their advantage. My yeah, position they're, they're unapologetically is this. My position is that when sacrifices need to be made, as parents, we're the ones who are supposed to make the sacrifice. We're not supposed to make the children make the sacrifice for us. So if there is, and we're not talking about someone who, let's say, in the case of an illness, as you just happened to mention. I mean, if you're ill, I mean, no, absolutely. That's a, that's an absolute reason Simone, why you might I'm have gonna, a problem. I'm going to interrupt you because we've only <laughs> got about a minute left, and I want to remind okay. people that they can find you online at don'tgetmadgetpaid.com. Is there yes. anything else that you want to just add or repeat for emphasis? Yeah, well, other than uh, hitting me up at don'tgetmadgetpaid.com, um, if you're interested, go and check out um, my book, Dead Beat versus Dead Broke. Uh, you can find it on my website, don'tgetmadgetpaid.com, or check it out on Amazon. There are some really great reviews of the book on both Amazon as well as on my website. And there are, I mean, it's chock full of um, ways that you can find a parent who is missing in action, find out where um, they're keeping their, their income and their assets hidden, how they're keeping it uh, hidden from you and how to uncover it, how to um, represent yourself in court. It's, a, it's, it's designed to be a step-by-step guide that you're going to want to keep with you as you're going through your process. And I guarantee you that um, if you get the book and you read it, it's going to open your eyes so much to what you're facing in the legal system and how to get yourself through it that you're just not going to believe that, you know, that you even got this far without knowing this information. So it's an amazing read. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks, Virginia. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.